women are on the verge of being forced into military conscription due to a perverse notion of equality by Matt Welch. First published at Reason on July 23rd. Into your earbuds, July 24th. The Senate Armed Services Committee on Thursday approved a language change in the $768 billion National Defense Authorization Act that would expand the selective service which is the oxymoronically named requirement under threat of imprisonment for 18-year-old males to submit their names to a National Registry of Potential Military Conscripts to now include the female of the species. As Ella Lubell has noted at Reason, among those cheering this development is the American Civil Liberties Union, whose lawsuit challenging the male-only draft was denied a hearing last month by a Supreme Court that nonetheless signaled its potential interest should Congress decline to change the law. Quote, Men-only registration actually impedes women's full participation in civic life, the ACLU maintains. Hmm. It's worth pausing on that logic, particularly in light of what the L stands for in ACLU. Is participation really the right word to describe being coerced by the state to sign and mail a piece of paper for the purpose of expediting any future governmental conscription of citizens into a struggle to the death? Is compulsory self-reporting to a national list of people whose freedoms could potentially be usurped really characterizable as a liberty? Quote, that women register and perhaps be called up in the event of a draft is a necessary prerequisite for their achieving equality as citizens, as it has been for other groups historically discriminated against in American history, unquote, concluded the National Commission on Military, National and Public Service, government thing, in a March report heavily perfumed with the terminology of anti-discrimination. This whole share the pain interpretation of equality is common, but it's fundamentally perverse. When we assess the unequal treatment under the law based on immutable characteristics, here is a first order sorting question that we should ask. Is this a government imposed legal inequality of opportunity or of burden? The former opportunity deserves overturning. The latter should be ameliorated via not expansion, but removal. Here's what I mean. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 would not have been made more legally and morally palatable by expanding the unwanted immigrant class to other nationalities. Instead, it was finally reversed altogether by the 1965 Immigration and Nationality Act. Internment of U.S. citizens of Japanese descent during World War II would not have been any more just had we imprisoned more hyphenated Americans derived from other Axis-allied nations. Instead, we eventually issued apologies and made reparations. These actions, which wrecked lives, were explicitly discriminatory in both intention and effect. Limiting the selective service to males, on the other hand, is for most dudes, though not me, a mild annoyance at worst, and if there's any divinable discriminatory intent or feeling, uh, it is, as the ACLU and National Commission both contend, the old-fashioned paternalistic notion that the ladies ain't strong enough to fight. But the actual effect of male-only registration is discriminatory to the young men who have to comply or face the rare threat of imprisonment and fines, or the much more common blocked access to student loans, federal employment, and even driver's licenses. Using the opportunity or burden test, the barring of qualified women or gays or other groups who've been blocked historically from the opportunity of voluntarily serving in combat has been rightly overturned. 
But merely exposing them to the burdens of draft registration should lead us into an opposite direction. Remove the burden imposed on males altogether. Laws and other government initiatives that were less explicitly aimed at outgroups, but nonetheless discriminatory in application, have generally been thrown out by courts rather than expanded to negatively impact a broader population. Most post-Civil War poll taxes, for example, didn't say anything about race, really, uh, with the exception of literal grandfather clauses, which exempted uh, from this thing the descendants of prior uh, voters who just happened to be white males uh, from having to be paid. Uh, A century later, both Congress and the Supreme Court recognized that both the intent and effect of these poll taxes were discriminatory on poor and black communities. and And so they threw the whole concept out. Closer to our era, New York City's stop, question, and frisk policy was judged in 2013 to be unconstitutional due to its unequal enforcement. Around 90% of all pat-downs were conducted on minority residents. The solution was not to mend it by shaking down the swells in Midtown and Wall Street. It was simply to end the practice altogether. You can frequently see this whole flawed share-the-burden instinct when it comes to criminal justice reform. Every time a rich and or white suspect, just mark, it, mark this down, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen next week. Uh, it, when, when they are treated uh, with less kind of punitive treatment by the courts or by police than what frequently, all too frequently, befalls those who are poor and non-white, there are calls even from supporters of criminal justice reform to somehow equalize the punishment by brutalizing the privileged. For my friends in Georgia, tweeted former Will & Grace actress Deborah Messing on December 10th, 2020, your next U.S. senators will decide the future of the George Floyd criminal justice reform bill and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Be sure to all caps vote, unquote. Five days later, Messing tweeted the following at Donald Trump. I hope you live a long life in prison where you become the most popular boyfriend to all the inmates, unquote. This is the will and grace gal. The solution to disparate enforcement of drug laws, let's say, on rich celebrities and homeless addicts is not to make sure Lindsay Lohan serves the maximum sentence each time. It's to stop jailing all adults, regardless of who they are, for drug use, period. And so it should be without other 20th century anachronism, the military draft. If and when the Democratic-run Congress passes the female conscript inclusive NDAA and President Joe Biden signs it into law, my daughters will not magically have more liberties than before. They will not experience discrimination any less. It is discriminatory and frankly embarrassing for any mature country, let alone one dedicated to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to treat any 18-year-old like the physical property of the state. That's discriminatory. You're 18. I can discriminate against you. The policy goal should be equality of opportunity, not equality of emisceration. And that's the memo.